It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. Danish delight as flaky Russia swept aside in Copenhagen and the Dutch and Belgium both join Italy in collecting maximum points. Today, a nation expects. And England play too as they welcome Czech Republic to Wembley. Scotland without Billy Gilmore as they face Croatia at hand. And here to get into all of that, we have the Mirror's chief football writer, John Cross, as well as our resident Scott and the Mirror's fighting editor, Martin Domin. John, I'll come to you uh, first up. And since recording yesterday's Football Digest, uh, we've got some sort of revelations within the England squad connected to Billy Gilmore, who we'll get to. But both Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell likely to miss the game and having to uh, isolate. Yeah, I mean, either way, really, it's it's far from ideal preparation. I don't think Chilwell would have started anyway, but Mason Mount certainly would have and was due to do the press conference. Um, and then the story emerges, you know, yesterday afternoon. That, that and, and frankly, you know, the process was that the FA went on the front foot and basically decided to declare it, you know, that the, the, the uh, Mount and Chilwell had been spotted having a lengthy conversation. It was nothing to do with that kind of embrace on the pitch, the hugging picture that, that, that was doing the rounds. Obviously, that's not ideal. Um, but basically, it was it was much more to do with a lengthy chat between three Chelsea teammates in, in the tunnel at Wembley. I guess the FA would hope that it, you know, is the tunnel area classes indoors, that that's key. What distance did they keep? You know, how long was it? I mean, I was told it was over 20 minutes. So, it, you know, and it, it, you've got, I mean, yes, they broke protocols. Southgate, you know, on, on the press conference yesterday, in front of the TV cameras, I thought he looked annoyed, but he insisted to us on the newspaper sort of chat. But basically, he wasn't. And it was, you know, it was cell V sort of thing, really. Um, and it's just a consequence of, you know, this kind of crazy COVID life that we lead now. And so he sort of accepted it as one of those things. And he wasn't angry with his players. But ultimately, they have broken, you know, protocols by, by doing that. But how do you stop? players sort of having a chat with teammates it's, it's a difficult one it really is and and I think from that end the FA decided okay we're going to report it we're going to sort of say for safety's sake the Public Health England these two players are, are self-isolating for now let's see what develops and I guess that honesty they hope you know might see them through in terms of you know because all all the players all the support staff have you know tested negative might see them you know perhaps get some some sympathy and you know still be allowed to play against the Czech Republic but you know even if they're cleared I, I imagine I don't imagine they will be what sort of preparation is that for either of those two and indeed the rest of the squad I mean this whole campaign this whole preparation has been fought with with difficulty for so many teams and England certainly amongst those teams that have, you know, have been hit, uh, I think, in their preparation time. Yeah, most definitely. But but also it is why we have sort of the 26-man squads, isn't it, for, for this tournament, Martin? And therefore, if Mount and Chilwell do have to isolate and spend time away from the squad, England will have other players to come in. And w- there's been so much hype around England's attacking midfield options that opportunity then created maybe for someone like Jack Grealish or Jaden Sancho has not played a minute yet to come in. Of course, England don't need me to tell them that they have strength and depth. And isn't it is a very, very interesting situation, as John outlined. And public health England do have those very strict guidelines about how close you can be or can't be for how long. So if it's you and I, whether it's Mason Mount and Billy Gilmore, it doesn't really matter. And I think there was a lot of confusion yesterday about why Scotland didn't have such close contacts, but if 
as John says, that conversation happened, then that explains that. But in, in terms of England, is it that bad that they're going to have to make potentially some changes? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I said it the other day, I didn't think they were as good against Croatia as many people said they were. I certainly didn't think they were particularly good against Scotland. So I don't think it's a bad idea that, that, that uh, Gareth Southgate has to make some changes. Uh, as you say, Jaden Sancho, well, he has not had a minute yet, has he? Uh, which to me as a as a relative outsider seems seems incredible. And we've all seen the clamour for Jack Grealish came on briefly on, on Friday night. And I'm sure England fans would love to see him given a proper run out. Yeah, most definitely. John, you got into it on yesterday's Football Digest podcast in terms of Jaden Sancho, but you really do wonder now. He must be sort of battering down Gareth Southgate's door, along with Jack Grealish, if Mason Mount's not going to be available, certainly for the Czech Republic game, maybe even for a last 16 game. This is now a chance for a player to come into a tournament a bit later into the side and really show what they can do. And England have history with such players. Yeah, listen, it's not set in stone. I think sometimes we, you know, those who try and sort of find out a bit of intel and info uh, quickly get the impression when it is and it's not set in stone. But I don't think either of those, uh, Sancho or Grealish, will start tonight as it stands, which is, you know, it's surprising. You know, I totally take Martin's point about Sancho. I mean, I, I, I love watching him play. I think he's, he sets the Bundesliga alight. He's such a good technical player, isn't he? His decision-making is unbelievable. And, you know, for someone so young, that, that's fantastic. And his goals and assists, his stats are sensational. But I do think, you know, that, that you know, that comment the other day, I might be picking away at something or nothing here. But when Gareth Southgate said on Friday that basically he's trained well the last few days, I think that tells a story that maybe his training levels was the reason he didn't even make the bench for the first game. He didn't get off the bench um, on, on Friday night. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess it's a difficult balancing act to keep everyone happy. But, you know, I don't think, you know, Sancho will start tonight. I think Grealish is a bigger case but I think that basically if they do lose men, I think it will be Jude Bellingham that, that basically steps up. And I, I wonder whether, I mean, you know, England, <laughs> they, were so, they were so outfoxed on Friday night, it was difficult to know at times what they were playing in midfield, wasn't it? But basically, I do think that, that, that if Bellingham plays, for example, that the, the, you know, we've talked about 4-2-3-1, the two sort of deeper line players, and maybe Mount was seen as the, as the 10. But actually, I think it's it's going to be a sort of, you know, if Bellingham plays, then it'll be much more like a, a 4-3-3. And they'll basically have more in midfield, um, you know, to try not to, to lose that area, which I think, frankly, they're, that they were outfoxed. Uh, against Scotland, I think that's fair to say. So maybe they just take, need a little extra man in there, and that that explains that. And I think Sterling's played well. And listen, we know full well that you know that Gareth Southgate has backed Harry Kane to the hilt, and 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 frankly, you know, Foden on the back of the season he's had, can you possibly drop him? I I don't think you can. Basically, so it is a it is a luxury in that regard that Southgate's got. But I I, I personally think as it stands. Think that you know people might be disappointed about the England team if you're clamouring for Jack Grealish again. And by the way, I am. I think he's worth his place. I, th- I think he's great. But you know, it's so England, isn't it? It's so England that we complain and make a 
an issue of having too many attacking players to try and fit in when even five years ago, you think back to the, the lack of options we had sort of within the squad. And worth worth noting on Jaden Sancho, of course, he, he missed the warm-up games, didn't he? Certainly the first one, he, there was a bit of illness in the camp for him. So, um, yeah, be interesting. You know, he played really well in the second one, didn't he? he yeah, he did, yeah. well in the second one. Yeah. I know that divided opinion, but to my mind, I thought he played really well. So I yeah. just do not, you know, I think when you, when you correlate he played well in the final warm-up game, and then he's not even made the bench on the first game. Well, I suppose it's a similar argument about Bakayo Saka as well, isn't it? Played really well in the first game, and also yeah. not really had a had a look in, but maybe there for a bit of experience. But Martin, from a Scots perspective, then, and John was talking about losing the midfield battle against uh, Scotland at, at Wembley, very much was the case. What was your sort of take on on England? We'll get to Scotland in a bit, but what did you make of England? <sighs> As I said earlier, I wasn't particularly impressed with them in the first game. So for me, it didn't feel like there was a, a huge shift from game one to game two. And I think, you know, I was there at Wembley and I felt like I spent the 90 minutes, as most Scottish fans did probably, on edge because you you sense that, well, it's England. So they're going to do something at some point. So, you know, if we can just hang on here, then that would be great. And, and yes, we did celebrate, you could argue, uh, a nil-nil draw. Uh, as if it was a victory. But after that, you start to think, well, hang on, who made the better save? Jordan Pickford, who cleared the shot off the line? Uh, Rhys James. David Marshall had one save. Yes, John Stones probably should have should have put England in front early and that changes the course of the game. But honestly, when you look back, you don't really think that Scotland were ever under serious trouble. Now, of course, that was partly because of the way Steve Clark set up the team. He made those changes, brought in Billy Gilmore, shifted the defence around. Um, but honestly, as an attacking threat, England just went there. And I'm sure you'll come on to Harry Kane. And you just can't say that he looks like the player who is one of, if not the best striker in the world. Now, you can argue whether that's him or whether that's his his support staff, if you like. But no, I, I think it's not England have qualified, of course. And I imagine they should beat the Czechs tonight and they'll go through as group winners. Honestly, can you honestly look past the last 16 with any confidence? Because if I was an England fan, I certainly wouldn't be. Well, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. I think after last time in the Euros, no England fan probably tries to get too carried away and look beyond the last 16 with what happened with Iceland. But John, in terms of Harry Kane, it's two games that he's not scored in in this tournament so far. It's not sort of out of the keeping for England strikers to to have group stages like this. Michael Owen was notoriously slow through group stages and then would come alive in a knockout stage. Wayne Rooney obviously did what he did in 2004, but struggled at World Cups too. To me, there's a lot of clamour around the striker not scoring when he quite literally hit the post in the game against Croatia, the only real chance of note he had. And he had that header that went just wide at Wembley against Scotland, albeit he was offside, but it was the only real time Rhys James put across into the box. He can only feed off what he's given, can't he? Yeah, I did, I did see that. I mean, I think, you know, Rhys James was brought in and it, it was a bit of a gamble that sort of maybe didn't work. He certainly didn't get forward, did he? He didn't overlap. England aren't, haven't been playing with any degree of width and therefore they've not been servicing him with crosses. There was this amazing sort of, I don't know whether you guys had seen it, but this little montage of clips of sort of, you know, of various England players sort of kind of tripping their way down the the, uh, the edges of the penalty box and rather than sort of then find sort of Kane either wide and then there's, he was also in a great position in the box on another occasion. 
basically <laughs> they just carried on dribbling and carried on running and didn't find it. And and I guess, you know, Sterling and Foden aren't exactly suppliers as such in that basically they're at their best, you know, delivering what they do rather than be kind of, you know, the assist kings, if you like, like a Grealish or a Sancho, which would then provide the ammunition. And so I guess, you know, are they playing to, to Kane's strengths? You know, probably not. I, I, I'm a massive Kane fan. I think he's just had the best season of his life. Whereas I think goals and assists, I think statistically and also in terms of performance, he's just, you know, just been phenomenal. But one thing that someone mentioned to me the other day, which, look, I just hadn't really thought about, even though I've seen a lot of Kane and Spurs, you know, particularly towards the back end of the season. Did he rush it back a bit too soon for the cup final? Has he been the same since the cup final? Yes, he kind of finished, you know, final day with a bit of a flourish. But is he there in terms of actual, you know, match fitness, physical fitness? I'm not sure that he's at the sharpness level that he was hitting, you know, at various points uh, earlier in the Premier League season where he was literally untouchable. Absolutely fantastic form this season. And to me, he's away from that. How do you get him back there? Well, I would argue you play him, basically. I mean, there's no way in the world that you drop Harry Kane. And I think Southgate's right to come out and publicly back him because the notion that you could start instead with Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a good Premier League striker. He's not in Harry Kane's league. You know, it's just it's just not right. And if England are going to work, Harry Kane has to be scoring. And so it's almost pointless trying to figure out a way without him because that won't work either. No, I completely agree with you. Come back to you, John, just on Harry Kane. And so yesterday... Reports coming out, Manchester City have opened the bidding. £100 million they put down. It's been knocked back by Tottenham. Not really what England want now, is it, through sort of the, the latter stages of a tournament, all the transfer speculation that we knew was bubbling away in the background, but now actually coming to the fore. Yeah, listen, it's a bit of a moot point. I, you know, sort of kind of, you know, Spurs saying they haven't had an official bid yet. But I, I, listen, I think that... I think that's maybe just semantics, really. Conversations are clearly taking place. Man City is sort of really pushing hard, I think, for, for, for the player. that You know, he's their number one striker target, I think. And, yeah, Harry Kane wants to leave. Listen, I think it's quite simple. Spurs won't sell. I mean, you know, certainly not £100 million. Can, can that change with, with an astronomical fee? Well, maybe, but I severely doubt it. I, I, I think he'll end up being a... You know, Spurs play at the, at the start of next season, and, and indeed after the, the day after the window closes. So, but you're right; it's not it's not good timing. Everyone talks about Harry Kane being the ultimate professional. We won't be distracted. I hear you know, ex pros queuing up to be on radio and TV saying, that. "I'm sorry, I, Harry Kane is a focused, brilliant professional, but come on, that uncertainty and knowing this is going on in the background." got to it's got to affect you in some small way and at that level i think one percent drop in focus is going to have an impact and i think all of those things coming together i think you know are having a negative impact on kane Right, let's get on to the group's other game later on today at Hampden. Scotland taking on Croatia. Martin got the point at Wembley now, get the win, and it's into the last 16 for the Scots. Well, that's it. As good a result as, as Friday was, it's irrelevant if we if we don't win tonight. But at least we do now know that if we do win, that is us through. And, you know, we can 
talk about the permutations going forward another day. But to be honest, after the first day when we lost 2-0 to, to the Czechs, I'd be more than happy to be sitting here needing three points to go through. Would I have said that I'd be confident of beating the, the Croatians before the tournament? Probably not. Am I more confident now? Yes. Am I super confident? Not quite. Uh, of course, the news yesterday is is a big blow, but I think we do have to just remember as well, Billy Gilmore has played three times for Scotland. He started once for Scotland. Yes, he was man of the match. Yes, he was very impressive, but we cannot pin our hopes on a player who didn't participate in getting us here, who is 20 years of age, who's played very little actually top-level football uh, in his short career. So it's really a case now of, of how Steve Clark decides to change things up and and we go from there. Yeah, John, you've seen both the Scots and the Croatians up close and, and personal against England. How do you rate Scotland's chances in terms of what they showed at Wembley was so far removed from their opening game against Czech Republic. It was a good performance, but they didn't really sort of show much going forward. But if they have that sort of same industry and energy in midfield, for me, an ageing Croatian midfield might struggle with that. But we do know the quality, the elegance and the class that Croatia have. Yeah, I, I must say, I thought, you know, England were good in that opening game against Croatia because I think that it was a controlled performance because I still maintain that I think, and Southgate has said, that basically the Czech Republic are the second, you know, best team or the best other team, if you like, in the group. I, I still think that's Croatia. I think it's because of the midfield three. I think it's going to be very difficult for Scotland. I think that they Scotland played, on another day, Scotland win their opening game, don't they? I mean, they played, you know, they played, I thought, well and, um, you know, had chances. I mean, you know, it was a goal. It was an unbelievable goal that that it scores. But then basically, you can also say it's a bit of a freak, you know, how often does it happen? You know, and so everything I thought contrived to, to go against Scotland in that opening game. And then I think we got the real taste of what Scotland is truly about against England when I think it was energy, when I think it was, you know, um, real midfield quality, you know, I mean, blimey, the, the midfield is a good area. I know that, that, that Gilmore's missing, but, you know, Armstrong then, oh, I think is an, is an excellent player still, to, you know, to maybe come back. And it's, there's options there. And, and I still feel that, you know, Scotland can, if they show that sort of level of intensity, pressing uh, tenacity in their performance that they did on Friday night, and I think together with obviously this sort of kind of the home advantage, if you like, then basically I do feel as if you know it's there for it's there for Scotland. I still think they're up against it because I think people are underestimating this Croatian team. Croatia, Croatia, are a good side, but they 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 no longer have you know perhaps the the immediate goal threat that they did but they still have quality in midfield and they can keep the ball and it could be a frustrating night. But Scotland have to take their chances and that would be that would be the concern, just how good they are in front of goal. But I do think they'll create and I think they'll create openings and I, I have a sneaky suspicion that they could do it just because they've got that momentum which has been given to them by Friday night's performance. I thought they were terrific. 
Yeah, it's been a fascinating tournament, I suppose, on a managerial front for Steve Clark as well, Martin, in terms of goes into the warm-up games, pairing Adams and Dykes together, looked really good. Maybe a bit cautious in that first game with his selection and it didn't quite happen for Scotland. Very brave, though, at Wembley and it did pay off. How does he, though, get around this Billy Gilmore dilemma that he's got? Does he put McTominay back into the midfield or does he keep the stability defensively and maybe Armstrong, as, as John was suggesting, comes in? You're definitely right about his choices. It did feel a bit strange. There was so much clamour for Billy Gilmore in the first game, but you could understand why he left him out. You know, well, I've just said he's barely played for Scotland at the first game, a major tournament, etc. But then to make so many changes against England seemed strange, but actually he got it right. That's what largely the team people had been calling for. And then to have that upset for tonight is, is of course, not ideal. And I think the question does really come in around McTominay. He looked a bit shaky, to be fair, early doors on, on Friday, but then then improved. He played in defence throughout the qualifying and, and just moved back into midfield towards the end. But then do you upset the defence, bring in you know, Liam Cooper perhaps? I'm not sure. But you do need that player in between defence and sort of attack and, and midfield really to, to allow Tierney to bring the ball out. And that's what Gilmore did so well. If you bring in Armstrong, that he moves further forward. Do you bring Callum McGregor back? Do you drop John McGinn deeper, but then you lose his thrust going forward? So lots of questions. I mean, you've got John Fleck in the squad, but do you bring in a player who hasn't played yet? Probably not. Um, but I certainly think you go Adams and Dyke, Dykes up front again. So maybe Stuart Armstrong is the obvious choice and just at least you know, keep the defence as it was. Uh, and they did keep England out, you know. Yeah, maybe sort of try and overpower them, I suppose. Sort of classic British side and style of play, get the get the legs in and around that Croatian midfield and hopefully it pays off for Scotland. Before we go, though, let's touch on yesterday's action. And John, we'll touch, before we talk about sort of the, the sides who have won the groups, Denmark have got themselves through and I think they're everybody's second team now in this Euros, given what they've been through. But they, they pretty much put a goal of the tournament show on themselves last night, winning 4-1 against Russia. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was some result for them. Yeah, it was really. I mean, the dynamic of that group is crazy, isn't it? I yeah. mean, basically, you know, second team through and it's three points. It's, it's thanks, thanks very much so for, for the other kind of, you know, lucky qualifiers. But yeah, I, Denmark, I, I, I think before the tournament, you would have said, that that squad, if you pick it apart, it's got it's got real quality, isn't it? And and basically, you know, I mean, how do you legislate for what happened in in the opening game against Finland? And I just felt like last night felt as if it was a performance and a result coming. You know, it's been coming, you know, because you know they couldn't possibly be focused and and sort of kind of in in that opening game. And then Belgium, obviously, a, a good side, and it's. I, I, you know, it's. It, I, I always felt that, that Denmark really were, were the second best team in that group, and finally they've got the chance to show it, and so kind of just felt, yeah, they're good quality goals. Really, it's in keeping with the rest of the tournament. I think. I think the tournament overall is really, really so good. Um, the one thing that has, you know, or does still annoy me is that basically this this thing about getting through in third place. I know we kind of <laughs> don't want to be saying this on the morning that maybe that could do Scotland a favour. Sorry, Martin, didn't mean it. But it's it's. I just I don't think it. I don't think it is. It's great for the tournament. I want that jeopardy. I want that excitement. I want that kind of you know real feel as if you know this is 
you know, uh, all or nothing on the final day. And I think it's a shame, really. Of course, you, you I want sort of the other uh, nations to go through Wales and Scotland. I really passionately do. And maybe that's a leg up for them. Wales didn't need it, ultimately. But I just think it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit that that from from that perspective, I, I'm, I'm not a fan at all of this kind of, you know, uh, final day pass from from third place. I think they they either need to expand the tournament or or, or reduce it. I'd be in favour of expanding it, really. Um, but I just I, I'm you know it just means that there's not so much meaning in some of the group games. And yet all uh, apart from that, some of the group games have been of the highest quality. So I d- you know imagine what it could be like if you made it even better in terms of qualification. Yeah, I think it would be music to UEFA's ears hearing that calls to to extend it it's you wait till the champions league reforms coming in 2024 when we've got so many dead rubbers by the end of it but anyway that's a, a story for another day in terms of the, the group winners so far martin we've had italy belgium and the netherlands all sort of progress all with maximum points no one did it at euro 2016 but the netherlands as well they've gone through scoring eight goals and maybe maybe just sort of sliding up on the rails that no one's really talking about them, but putting a great performance again against North Macedonia. I think basically we've said the same thing after each of their three games. Look very good going forward, potentially still shaky at the back, and until they're challenged, we won't really see what they're all about. But you know they keep going forward, and I think they could play any of a number of teams in the next round. And then I think if they, you know, including it, it could be Scotland, and if they get through that, then. I believe it's Wales or Denmark in yeah. the quarterfinals, which means that, you know, it's definitely feasible to see suddenly the Netherlands popping up in the semifinals, at which point they've got so much momentum behind them and anything can really happen. So, you know, there's always, I guess, perhaps one team who sneaks through unexpectedly, but still big enough to to do something. As you said, they look very good, you know, going forward. And uh, yeah, let's not write them off just yet. Yeah, and the Belgian juggernaut just keeps going as well. Romelo Lukaku just powering through anything in his way. But, John, we've spoken at length today about England and Scotland. Let's have a quick chat then about Wales, who, speaking of Denmark, that's who they're going to be facing in the last 16, one of the first two last 16 ties. We know how it's going to play out, Italy v Austria in the other one. But Wales might just be eyeing themselves up a uh, place in the last eight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I did watch the, the, the Italy game and... Obviously, they've lost that game, but it's still hard to break down. You know, they didn't quite get the tactics right, did they? Sort of against Italy, and yet still have chances. You know, but the bail that sort of one that is followed over the bar, and it just feels that you know, there's so much more positive energy about Wales and and indeed Scotland. You know, than there is around England, and 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 frankly, they can feed off that Wales. And, you know, that, that I think is why they got the momentum going, you know, five years ago. It's why they can get the momentum going this time. You know, do they, would they fear Denmark? I, I, I don't think so. You know, I think that basically it would be a game that they feel that they could, they could win, really, and sort of got every chance. Because at the front end of the pitch, no matter what, what at the back end of the pitch, they have got such quality. You know, Dan, Dan James has, has emerged as a real, you know, as a real threat, hasn't he, through, through this tournament? And then Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Wow. When we talk about being passionate and what it means to play for your country, those guys just are already top class players, but they gain 
that extra, I don't know, 50% through playing, you know, pulling on the shirt. They're amazing. I love it. I, I'm a massive Gareth Bale fan anyway, because I think he's, you know, what he's done as a sort of um, as an export, if, if you like, in, on foreign soil is just astonishing. And then basically, I just love what he does. I absolutely love what he does um, for, um, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for the, um, uh, for the country. I think it's, you know, I think it's great. Yeah, definitely. And Aaron Ramsey, as we sort of know, with Arsenal in FA Cup finals, is definitely a man for big occasions too. Right, I'll put you both on the spot very quickly before we go. Martin, I'll come to you first. Are Scotland going to get the job done today? Yes, of course. I can't give you any other answer, despite <laughs> what I may or may not feel inside. But yes, of course, we, we, we have to believe. And I think it could be a, a cracking game. And we'll come through by the odd goal. And John, England to top the group? Well, I'd love to think so. I do, I do still think it will depend on the kind of the changes that that, that sort of Southgate may make because I do think Mount will, will miss out. I'd love to, I'd, yeah. I don't think Southgate set on 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 the team yet, and I'd love that to be maybe Jack Grealish and sort of really go for it because England need to go for it, don't they? They need to find that kind of extra energy from somewhere. They need to find that kind of attacking pizzazz. And I think that that, you know, that that might become with 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 Grealish. So maybe if they're if they're on the front foot, if they're on the positive, then 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 let's see what happens. You know, it's um but I, I, I yeah, England should do it. But why is there this nagging thought in my mind that it's going to end up a frustrating one one draw? <laughs> Have to wait and see how it does play out. All about Group D today then in the Euros. Eight o'clock at Wembley, England take on the Czech Republic and eight o'clock at Hamden. It's Scotland versus Croatia. We'll be back tomorrow to pick the bones out of it all. But from myself, Guy Clark, Martin Dowin and John Cross, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. Hold up. 